What's up, dear friends and damn givers? Welcome to the Let's Give a Damn podcast. This podcast is made by people who give a damn and for people who give a damn. Thank you so much for showing up. So here's what we're going to do this week. It already started a little differently than it usually does, so you probably are wondering what's up. I've got some things that I want to share with you. As I release podcasts each and every week, I try to keep my thoughts and rants to myself because I truly want to champion my guests, but from time to time, I feel the urge to really share something with you. And I know I need to share it with you because I've been having this discussion with quite a few podcast listeners and friends lately. I won't talk your ear off with a 45-minute monologue, I promise. Ain't nobody got time for that. But I do want to share some things with you before I share some of the top moments from conversations I've had with guests so far in 2019. That's right. This is another highlight podcast. We've done a few of these in the past couple of years, and they always crush. We always get good feedback. And we've had some really great moments so far in 2019. I want to share them with you. I want to make sure you didn't miss them as we put out podcasts each and every week. So I'm going to do a quick little monologue. And then we're going to do highlights. Let's get going. So friends, here's what I want to chat about with you for a few minutes. And forgive me ahead of time if I go all over the place. I'll try not to. It all makes sense in my head. Let's see if I can get it out. Here's the big statement that I'm thinking about a lot these days. We don't need billionaires. We don't need government to save us. We don't need them to change the world for us. They can and should play their part, their role. Don't take me wrong. For example, I'm in favor of Medicare for All, a policy that is being talked about a ton uh, on the Democratic candidate side of things ahead of 2020. And I love that government can serve us and help us in so many ways. And I love that billionaires use their influence uh, to help and serve people, but we can't and shouldn't wait around for them to change the world. It's not their role and it's never going to happen on top of that. It's our job to change the world. Now I'm going somewhere with this, hang in there. I'm not going to rant. We also shouldn't expect for us, for you and for me to do everything perfectly as we learn how to become better damn givers. For example, I can't stop kids from being trafficked with my friends at Human Trafficking Institute or IJM or Rescue Freedom and build wells in Uganda with Charity Water and build homes with my friends at New Story Charity and feed the homeless and tackle our environmental crisis and advocate for refugees with my friends at IRAP and help immigrants with my friends at Turk and you get the picture, right? We can't do it all. I can't do it all. You can't do it all. And I'll be honest, for years, I tried to do it all. My focus was so divided, I couldn't learn how to tackle and address one thing super well, my thing. Because my time was so divided and because I couldn't learn everything there is to know about all of these issues out there, I wasn't able to do any of them well as a result. And I failed. So here's what I'm getting at. The world doesn't need a handful of you and a handful of me giving a damn perfectly all the time. That would be ideal, but it's not practical and it can't happen. Instead, 
The world needs millions and millions of people just like you and me giving a damn imperfectly, little by little, step by step. I remember last summer, we were hanging out by the lake, my family and I and my brother Dan. We had a little spot where we would bring food and smoke cigars and chill while the kids played in the water. It was fantastic. I distinctly remember one time when we saw a boat hundreds and hundreds of yards away in the middle of the lake, you know, drive by. Five minutes later, the ripple effect created by that boat reached us on the shore in the form of some small waves. I remember thinking, damn, that tiny boat so far away created waves that reached us minutes later. It took so long for us to feel the effects of this teeny tiny boat in the middle of a huge lake. You see where I'm going with this. That's what I'm talking about. And this is not a new concept. I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. For example, Charles Baudelaire said nothing can be done except little by little. There's a Peruvian proverb that says, little by little, one walks far. And one of my favorite people to learn from, Chinese philosopher Lao Tzu, says the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. So again, nothing new. We know this ripple effect. People talk about it all the time. So why are we prone to not do the small things? Why do we only, why do we wait around to do the big things, the things that we think are going to get us more attention and maybe go viral online, right? But we're not faithful in the small things. So for the sake of this conversation, I want to share a few examples of things that my family and I have done, that I and my family have done recently to give a damn. And I'll warn you ahead of time that most of these things will land in the environmental, sustainability, waste-free space, because that's what we as a family have made a focus of in our lives. So here are a few examples, just so you just so you can see how small these things are, but I want to convince you in the next few minutes how important they are. So number one, I recently got rid of our gas-powered lawnmower, and I got one of those old-school push-reel lawnmowers. You know the ones that don't require any gas, nothing. You just push, and the blade goes around. And I got it for obvious reasons for the environment. It doesn't, you know, there's no carbon footprint whatsoever, and it's good exercise. Again, that might seem like a super small thing, but that is a huge change. It's a huge change for my mindset. I I explained to my kids why I got that. They think it's super cool anyway, but I explained to them why we're doing that. Another thing, we switched recently from the huge-ass Costco toilet paper package. It's like 40 or 50 rolls in it. We recently switched from getting that, which is obviously made from trees, you know, most paper is, to Who Gives a Crap, which is an amazing company, and their toilet paper is made out of recycled materials, no trees whatsoever, and we recently made that change. So we explained to our kids because they used to see the big Costco package come home, and now they see this huge box get delivered. And everything, what I love about who gives a crap is, uh, uh, first of all, the branding's amazing. All over the box, there's all these like messages. Uh, one of them is thanking the the delivery man. And they even say on the box, because they really embrace not just the recycle, but the reduce and the reuse. Obviously, their whole, their whole platform is built on toilet paper that is completely recycled, right? All these different recycled materials. But on the box, they give ideas for what to do with even the box, right? Which I think is so cool that they even went to the extent of, Here's some things that you can do with this box so that it can have a longer life, so you don't just throw it away or recycle it right away. 
The third thing that I wanted to share is when I go grocery shopping every week, I now make a conscious effort to buy groceries that have the least amount of packaging possible, right? We already take our own reusable grocery bags, our tote bags with us to the store. But now I'm thinking through, in fact, last week, I'll just give you an example. I called Becky up and she had said, hey, you know, we usually get these like cliff bars for the kids for granola bars for snacks. And I said, babe, should we be getting these anymore? Because, you know, there's 36 granola bars and each one is individually wrapped. Maybe there's a granola bar company that has all of the granola bars in one package, in one big thing versus each one of them being individually wrapped because our kids are going to take that wrapper off and they're going to throw it away right away or recycle it. I'm not even sure what it's made of, but it's all these different, it's, it's a tremendous amount of packaging for one granola bar and for a box of granola bars. So that's one thing recently that we've been doing is as I go to the store, which I do all the grocery shopping in our home, I love it. It's very therapeutic for me is I go and I think about how can I buy from different companies, how can I get to know different companies that use minimal amounts of packaging? So those are three tiny examples of my family imperfectly giving a damn in little ways, right? Because we're not, we're not going, we're not saying tomorrow we're gonna go waste free in our home. We're gonna change everything. We're gonna get rid of all the stuff that is wasteful in our house and become a waste-free household. We eventually want to get there, but we are going to imperfectly uh, give a damn for a while as for a long time as we head toward that goal. And so with those examples, you might say, Nick, are you truly making a difference, right? Those are so tiny. You're one dude in one city in America that switched from a gas powered mower to a push mower. You could argue that I'm not, and that's fine. You might be partially right. After all, I'm just one of 7 billion plus people on the planet, but I think I am. In fact, I, I, I think that I know that I am. I'm making a difference for myself, for my family, for my community, for my city, my country, so on and so forth. So I hope that you get where I'm going with this. I want you to be okay with imperfectly giving a damn in the little things in life, each and every day, each hour, instead of feeling like you have to do these huge, have you have to make these huge catastrophic marks on the world, right? The the, the most important, most the lo- the people that have the longest legacy are people that did small things over and over and over again until they reached where they needed to go and wanted to go. So I hope it's making sense. I hope you're getting inspired to do more small things that will turn into big things down the road. And down the road might be next year, might be the next decade, might be three decades from now. We don't get to know, we don't get a peek into what our legacy is turning into. We don't get a peek into the impact we're having. We're just called to be faithful in the little things in life. So thank you for listening. Hope that was helpful. Now I'm going to share some of my favorite moments on the podcast so far in 2019. There have been so many, but I've narrowed it down to these few, I think six or seven. So for the next few minutes, you'll hear in this order from Claude Silver, Courtney Hale, Audrey Assad, Scott Hamilton, Trey Crowder, and Holiday Reinhorn. I'm not going to introduce each person. I'm just going to queue up all of these 
clips that I want to share with you, and they're gonna run one after the, the other until we get to the end, and then I'll come back in and wrap things up. Okay, are you ready? Let's do this. Like it is one thing to walk around Union Square and be like, God, I, I just, I don't even know what to do. Mm -hmm. And there's another thing to walk around Union Square and take action and hand out blankets and hand out coffees yeah. and, you know, give someone, I don't, even if it's a McDonald's burger, because there happens to be one in Union Square. So that takes an enormous amount of effort. So we think, I don't, I mean, I'm not doing it. I didn't go to Union Square last night and pass out blankets, mm -hmm. but I could have, and I should have, and I will do. But those are action. Yep. Those are all action-oriented. So I just don't think we can sit on our laurels and be like, yeah, I'm positive. Yeah, I'm optimistic. Yeah, I'm a real believer, unless you put that into practice. Yep. So One of the reasons I started this platform, Let's Give a Damn, is because I'm trying to convince everyone that they have a part to play. And there's so many people that either don't believe that or are ignoring that fact, right? Because Netflix is calling every night. And right, so right now we've got like 7% of the people doing 80% of the work, right? In terms of making the world a better place. Very few are actively engaged in like, what's my... Because we do have things like we need to rest. We have families. We have kids. We have work. Like I can't 20 hours a day be handing out blankets or going across the world to, you know, to help with this water project in Zambia. You know what I'm saying? Like we can't do all of that. But all of us together, we can have a huge impact, right? And so that's part of this platform is, yeah, you, you could have done that last night, but you were home with a screaming baby for three hours, right? Like that's your part of your role. Maybe there's another night when the baby's good and like you like get a group of Vayner people to go do that, right? And maybe the other night that you're not there, somebody else is doing. I just think we all have this part to play and to think more about long-term solutions, right? Like I, I for so long have done the passing out things, right? And that is effective, right? That night, that person is freaking cold and to help them in the short term, I can't take them home tonight or I can't give them a home, but I can give them one warm night, right? And so the short term is important, but then really thinking, really being patient and thinking, how can we long-term fix? Right. So it's everything that we're talking about is all a marathon. That's yes. not to say that there aren't sprints and we can't take measures yep. to get over the finish line in a sprint. We absolutely can. But also we need to be looking at the root cause of some of these problems and getting some education around them. So Conan did this uh, interview recently. And I've always thought Conan was, um, I like him. He's quirky, but I, I really, really like him. And he, so I got tagged in this, he, he was in this, giving this interview Evidently, I don't I don't look at these numbers, but evidently, you know, the numbers on his show are going down. Like it's not, he's not the Conan of, you know, five, 10, 15 years ago. And uh, so he's given this interview and this was his answer. The, the interviewer was super shocked. Um, the interviewer said, is this how you want to go out with a show that gets smaller and smaller until it's gone? And he says, maybe that's okay. I think you have more of a problem with that than I do. At this point in my career, I could go out with a grand... 21 gun salute and climb into a rocket and the entire Supreme Court walks out and they jointly press a button. I shot up in the air and there's an explosion and it's orange and it spells good night and God love. In this culture, two years later, it's going to be, who's Conan? Uh, this is going to sound grim, but eventually all of our graves go unattended. And he keeps, and he, the interview says, yeah, that, you're right, that does sound grim. And he keeps on talking about it. But the reality is, 
you know, the example I was thinking about was the um, two of them, uh, John McCain and, and Tony Bourdain, and how much of an impact those two men had on our culture, right? And I mean, have you thought about Anthony Bourdain today? Or John McCain or anyone else that and these are these are really famous people, yeah. right? Yeah. You and I, who knows what'll happen in our lifetime, but at some point we're gonna be forgotten, right? And yeah. we're gonna we're gonna die and be forgotten. But there's one thing that will live on in the hearts of a, a few people, and that's our legacy, right? The things so on the one hand, I bring that up because I've been thinking about this all morning, actually, because I saw that, is that on the one hand, nothing that we do on earth really matters in the end because it's it's there is somewhat of a futility about life in that literally days after we're gone, everybody goes back to normal. But there is a beautiful thing about life in that it will we do get to have an effect, a long-term effect on certain people. And our legacy might not live on in that they remember our name and what we did, but the things you're doing right now, you know, the kids that you're impacting um, will go on to be successful. And that's part of your legacy, right? It's not gonna be named Courtney Hell's work. So all that to say, I'm asking this question a little differently. This is this is a question I ask every guest. I'm asking a little differently because I'm thinking about this Conan interview, right? But you're going to die someday. And hypothetically, I get asked to give your eulogy uh, in front of your family, your friends, knowledge bank staff and team, and whatever else you've done at that point, many, many years from now, I'm asked to give your eulogy. What do you want that to be? What What words would I be speaking over your life and legacy on that day? Man, this is a heavy question we should all start the year off by like writing our eulogy like instead of like new year's resolution and then like and i am a i'm a proponent of new year's resolution like i'm all about it um and and uh, people but it's not the most important thing and i think there's there are more important questions that there are more important questions that can drive our ambitions better than these high level vision resolutions like i could die today did i give it my best that's the question that we should all wake up being aware of is I could die like in five minutes. I could leave, we could leave this interview. You could hit by some dude t- changes the station on his radio, plows you on the sidewalk. You're gone. Yeah. Did you do your best? Right. So anyway, you, you yeah, keep going. yeah. So let me talk about from like the knowledge bank perspective. We do this thing every year. It's called the Young Money Matters Summit. It's half day of financial education for for teenagers. Um, I had a student raise his hand and say thank you. He said because. Today, you guys, and, and I'm a paraphrase, but he said, today you guys gave me hope. He's like, I grew up and I have been living my life thinking that because of my circumstances, where I live, where I go to school, what my parents do, I have a ceiling on what I can accomplish. And today I realize that I can live my life without that ceiling existing. That was like the most powerful thing amazing. that I have ever heard a kid say as a result of the work that we do. That day... What I've wanted from Knowledge Bank was satisfied. Like, I just want to change lives. I want to change perceptions. I want people to strive to be the best that they can be. You know, they can have their opinions and they're allowed to, but it just doesn't have a bearing on where I go and what I do. What I think is important about what you just shared is something that I went through, which was the deconstruction happened. And I'm very grateful for that. Like you said, it had to happen. For me, it was either deconstruct or leave the whole fucking thing. Like just, right. le- just leave. And I didn't want to. Similarly to you, I'm very attracted to Jesus. I'm very attracted to what he wants us to do in the world. I think he's behind it all. So leaving it all was not, it was an option, but it wasn't really an option. But I had to reconcile so much of what was happening. I had to figure out how does this all fit in? 
Like, I understand that I'm not going to, not everything's going to make sense, but everything doesn't make sense right now. Mm -hmm. Like, nothing makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I've got to deconstruct. For me, the important part was reconstructing. I didn't want to stay deconstructed. So many of my friends have deconstructed and never reconstructed, and that's like that's fine for them if that's where you need to stay. But for me, the important part was as soon as everything was deconstructed, to maybe not start reconstructing right away, but to start thinking about the reconstructing. Like, okay, I'm I am I am a house down to the studs right now. I was a pretty like rickety old house. They took me down to the studs. What are we gonna do with this? I think this house still has good bones. What are we gonna do with it? Mm -hmm. You know, that mm -hmm. was super important to me to like start. Okay, let's start shaping the house again. Yeah, so, I love that. Yeah. I think everyone's path truly is different. That you, some people, I think, need to be wandering in the wilderness. I honestly, yeah, and and it there. This is the thing I have learned: there is no such thing as being behind. Mm. Everywhere you are, you are right on time. So if you're wandering in the wilderness right now, that's where you're supposed to be. There's some mystical way in which this is true. I feel, I feel pretty convinced of it because what I know is that no amount of nagging or no amount of convincing from some, someone else or whatever will ever convince you or me to change until something in us says, I want to change. Yeah, so true. I want things to be different. It's so true. I want to walk this way instead of that way. So until that happens, then you are where your heart's desires lead you, right? And it's like, I don't mean that to say that everything is great and everything everyone does that's self-destructive or whatever like it's not what right. i'm saying but i think there are healthy and unhealthy versions in there but sure, still but i think the, that the, the truth is still there yeah the, you cannot go anywhere that your um your you <laughs> doesn't want to go you know your deepest you mm. your your true self and your shadow self are wrestling inside you at various with to various degrees at all times and i just think you reconstructing and you reordering and me doing that, it only happened when our true self said, I'm ready. And there's no amount of proselytizing or nagging that anyone else can do um, to make that happen. And some people, they deconstruct and they really need to walk around for a really long time without building anything else. And that's their path. I just have no, I don't think you do either, but I have no investment anymore in a, emotionally or otherwise in changing that about anyone. All my kids, it's, you know, it's like they're so sick and tired of me doing this, but it's so funny. My, my son came home with a poster he made at school with this quote on it, even though he rolls his eyes every single time I ask him. I go, what's the greatest strength? And he goes, ugh, dad, a lack of weakness. I go, right, find out where you're weak and get strong. Mm. Find out what's holding you back and eliminate it. We can do this. Like I have everything wrong. I had everything against. I had no chance. I, you know, and all those things. And it's basically the reason I, I put this book forward is because I'm so unlikely. And so if I can do this, anyone can do this. This is not like, you know, anything more than I had to figure it out. And I lost and lost and failed and failed and I fell down minimum 41,600 times in my <laughs> skating life. So you get up 41,600 times and now falling doesn't really have the same identity as it did before. You know, you get up, okay, I fell down, I get up again. Okay, who cares? I fall down again, I'll try again, I'll get up, I'll get up. 
Okay, I'll get up again. Okay, I'll get up again. Oh, I have cancer. Okay, time to get up. Yeah. Okay, I've been fired from this job. Okay, <laughs> time to get up. All right, I failed at this relationship. Okay, time to get up. And you do that enough times, and you become resilient. And all of a sudden, you're not calloused, but you're more experienced in that idea that I really can't be defeated anymore. Nothing can really knock me down. Mm-hmm. If you had something to be like, who would it be? Not many people are going to say me, <laughs> you know, short, bald, you know, half neutered, chemo, radiated, surgically repaired, all that stuff. You know, um, figure skater. <laughs> it's not every guy's dream is to be, you know, <laughs> in front of a couple billion people in spandex. But, you know, the thing is, is you make the most of what you, who you are, not what you have, who you are. You make the most of what you got, you know? Yeah. And you're in a roundabout way, you're making a strong case for, you know, I think there's a lot of people we could literally read off names from the Kyle Menards to the Rosa Parks and the MLKs and the the people that had hardships, right? Whether it was in our country, the wrong color skin, right? If you're black, you're oppressed. If you're LGBTQ, you're oppressed. Like everybody can has, not everybody, but a lot of people have this thing. But I think the difference is some people stay the victim and some people see themselves Oprah Winfrey, like using that as fuel. So what would you say to you know, somebody listening right now, 16 years old, kid from the Midwest, has two parents, stable income, nothing bad has ever happened to them, right? So they don't have, they haven't built up and their parents maybe haven't done a good job at putting them in situations where they are challenged. What would you say to that kid that is thinking, I don't have that gumption or whatever you want to call it because nothing bad has ever happened to me. I have everything. I don't want anything. I think it says in the book that if, if, if nothing really matters in life, you're going to live a life that doesn't matter. You know, you know, if you're asleep and you're happy to be asleep, you know, that there's nothing I can do to change that. There's no words. There's no sage advice. There's nothing. It's just someday you're going to wake up and you're going to, you're going to realize that there's a man. I may, I may miss something here. So it's, how do you, want to live your life? How do you see yourself? How do you, in 20 years, want to look back on that, that 20 years and say, wow, you know, this, it really, it really meant something. Philosophically, I think one of the main things that happens that causes this whole issue with the divisiveness right now and everything, and it's a hundred, and it's true for both sides, no more on either, you know, one more so than the other. Both sides do this completely. When they encounter someone on the other side, they immediately put that person in their head on the extreme end of that Whatever spectrum. That yep. They, Very true. They, they put them on the pole of the opposing viewpoint, and that immediately puts them in a more defensive position and in a position of like, you know, fuck this person, basically. Yeah. yeah. When in reality, most of us are not, like that most of us it's like you know it's a spectrum politically and most of us exist somewhere you know in the middle of it or at least not on the extremes but we automatically both sides put whoever we're talking to on the other side in the extreme region of whatever their viewpoint is and that's just a bad place to start a conversation from I just, you know, other than saying, God, I wish people would stop doing that. I don't know how to actually right. fix that. But I think that is like one of the major root problems. The more practical thing, I think a lot of this shit comes down to, because again, I've been, I 
we talked about my hometown a little bit. I briefly mentioned the factory leaving and how that changed everything and whatever. And that's a narrative around this country and everything. Like, and, and it's also very true in my minority communities. Uh, also like what's really fucking us up in my opinion, politically is income inequality. Mm -hmm. Like that's, what's at the root of most of this. If we were taking better care of poor people of all races and belief systems and demographics and geographical locations and all of that, if we were just taking better care of poor people in this country in general, I don't think so many people would be so goddamn mad. Mm -hmm. And like, that's all up to not just giving all the money to rich people, more tax breaks for the rich. Like trickle down doesn't work. And we, it's, it's been illustrated to not work for a very long time now, yeah, but we keep going back. But we to keep it. doing it. It doesn't work. And like that has to change. And the only way that's going to change is with some, Democrats in office in positions of power to actually change it. So that's a big reason why I'm on the side that I'm on. But putting that aside, just the root problem of income inequality should be like near the top of our priority list. And generally speaking, it's not. I mean, it gets talked about a lot, but like I think if we could actually address that, a lot of this other shit would take care of itself. How do you recommend everybody that's listening, all these damn givers that are listening, how do we stay hopeful mm -hmm. and or positive um, and not get so bogged down by everything? How do we stay? Because you can't create good things out of panic and out of no. anger because it'll, it'll be soiled. It'll be it'll have weird stuff in it. Mm -hmm. But out of hopeful spirits, you can create beautiful things like this, you know, yeah. devastating earthquake so many lives ruined and families ruined and literally the infrastructure ruined mm -hmm. and hopeful things came out of it. Right. Yeah. And so how do we do that on an ongoing basis? Yeah. Well, I mean, for me, because I, I can only speak for myself here, but yeah. the arts um, for me were always the answer because they were a spiritual, it's a spiritual act, an expressive act of the soul. And I feel like our world, you know, human problems have a spiritual, they're, they're a spiritual problem. You know the yeah. injustice and and yes. the prejudice and the the war and all of it is a spiritual malady. You know what I mean. So the the solution needs to be spiritual. It's not an institution that's going to come along or a human being is just. We gonna, can clearly see we, that. We for we, sure. we know yeah. that it doesn't yeah. work. Like we're yeah. living in the brokenness of all of it, and so um, to me, it is spiritually helping to empower young people who are going to walk into the future to give them spiritual empowerment, the tools to sort of say, all of us have this job and that's to advance our civilization in a united way, united in all of our difference. Like right now we live in a time that can't tolerate, you know, a yeah. difference. It's, yeah. it's like our idea of unity is like, everybody has to agree on everything, you know? It, there's not that sense of a group consciousness. We have one planet. That's it. Yeah. And everything looks the same. If you don't have oxygen and food, you do you know what I mean? Yep. Like we've kind of forget the essential things. Like so, the idea if we're all equal, and I know this sounds you know oh oh you know simplistic or la da da, but oneness. Yeah. I'm dead serious when I say this. Sometimes I pinch myself 
I pinch myself because I can't believe that I get to talk to such amazing humans and damn givers. I hope those audio bits that I shared with you, those pieces of the conversations I've had so far in 2019, encourage, challenge, motivate, and inspire you to give more dams than ever before. Friends, you can find links and more information about this podcast conversation and all things Let's Give a Damn at letsgiveadam.com. If you love what we're doing on this podcast, here are a few simple ways you can support us. And if you do one or more of these, it would mean the world to us. First, tell a friend, tell a family member, tell a coworker. If you think these podcast conversations are impactful and meaningful, tell someone about them. When we hear good news, we wanna share it with other people. So when someone comes to mind, tell them. It's not weird, just go ahead and tell them. You can also leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That also means a lot. Lastly, consider giving us a few dollars each month to support the production of this show by visiting patreon.com slash let's give a damn. This podcast episode was produced by yours truly and the amazing Chad Snavely, my man. The music is by the incredible artist and our friend Propaganda. Make sure to check out his music on Spotify or wherever you listen to your music. I can't wait to spend time with you next week. We have some incredible conversations coming up. I love you all. Peace. Peace.